Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 261 with Alvin Cohen. Alvin, how are you, my man? I'm so great, Dale. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure, mate. Now, we're having a great chat before, and like too often, I think uh, you just want to get into the chat. You want to start recording, and you, you don't want to waste any of these gems um, for just me and you, mate, because I know people are going to love what we're talking about today. Now, when I saw your profile, your bio, I, I didn't know where to start, mate. It's like you've lived 10 lives in one. Like, you've done so many yeah. different things. Do you want to start off like, because like, obviously, you know, you were a professional athlete and everything like that. What was growing up like? Because um, so with so many people that end up being professional athletes, it was they're so driven um, and life just consumed around, particularly NFL for you. But I don't want to tell your story, mate. But yeah, do you want to start sure. us off? Yeah, no, I grew up in in Austin, Texas, um, back when it was kind of a small town, which it's not anymore. And um, <laughs> I, I, I grew up like a lot of Texas boys do which is you know kind of kind of going to the games on friday nights and and you know the 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 whole friday night lights scene uh if you will and i i played backyard football and i you know watched the university of texas football games on saturday so everything kind of revolved around this culture of football and sports um but football specifically uh and so you were kind of bred in this in this um you know vertical where you started young and you kind of played all the way up and it was you know, what you dreamed of doing. And, and my high school football program was, was as big as they get in the state of Texas. And um, we ended up having a number of uh, professional athletes, including Drew Brees, who was a, a potentially a hall of fame quarterback uh, who went to my high school. And um, so it was just kind of what you did. It was no different than, you know, I guess ice hockey in Canada or, you know, pick your, pick your stereotype. Um, you know, Texas is known for football and, uh, that's what I grew up doing. And, and, and for me, I played a lot with the older kids, you know, and, and so I was always kind of the, the runt of the litter getting, getting beat up a little bit. And, um, you know, that had both positive and negative effects. I used to play with these two boys in my backyard and they'd hand me the football and tell me to run around. And then they just cream me, you know, they just <laughs> crush me. And, uh, I, 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 occasionally that would only really end when my, my mother would yell from the patio to tell them to stop and they'd run away. And then we'd do it all over again the next day, you know? So, um, uh, I think it, 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 you know, kind of groomed me to be tough, I think, and, and kind of learn to take a, a licking. Uh, but, uh, I also think, you know, it, it, it had some, some devastating emotional effects as well. It was kind of like being physically bullied as well. So um, that was kind of kind of my childhood. Yeah, it was was really just getting crushed in the backyard by a couple of older boys and and, and loving every minute of it. I guess it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what you you remember of it. Like now you think about that and you think that is glorified bullying. But back then you're playing a game like having fun. That probably yeah. it, it taught you to take hits. It taught you to be resilient. It taught you to play with older kids, which I love. But yeah. one thing I'm really fascinated with, particularly in Texas, because I don't think there's many other, well, around the world, I don't think, you know, high school and university sports are just so big. Do you know what I mean? Like, particularly in Australia, like, we go on and there's professional sport. It's not, people don't worry about, you know, Friday night lights. Like, and I know people are probably, I, I've watched that TV show, I've watched the movie. How, what is that like? Is 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 that actually real life? 
Yeah. 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 No, it wow. is. I mean, um, I, I describe my, my kind of high school years as a combination of, of those two movies, Friday night lights and the other one being varsity blues, which, which yep. if, is the, is the, you know, the more, uh, kind of party scene a little bit, you know, it's a little bit more of, 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 of that whole thing. And, and that was true. You know, I mean, it is a culture and, and growing up there, you know, I went to the games from the time I was, I was in third grade, you know, and, and I, I, I was playing on the, the little shafts, which was the, the very, very beginning pop Warner, you know, lowest level entry peewee football. And we were running some of the basic plays that I ran, you know, on the varsity football team when I got there. And so it was just this vertically integrated thing where each year you added a little bit more of the playbook and you learned a little bit more. So by the time you were a junior, you had been running the same stuff for, you know, 80 years. And that's just, that's just the strategy. That's just the tactics of the game. That doesn't even mention that, you know, you were going to the games on Friday nights. You were looking up at the varsity football players. Then when you got into school, the, the school was, you know, we don't like to advertise it, but it was oriented around the football programs. The pep rallies were a big deal. The, 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 we had these things called senior girls, which was where two uh, young ladies kind of each um, took care of a football player by decorating his house the night before a game. And they would leave you your, your, you know, each pepper alley had a theme. And so if it was an army theme, they would leave you the wardrobe that they wanted you to wear to the next day's pepper alley, along with a cake or some cookies or something. And so, wow. you know, it, it was a status thing. And so you got kind of premier status within, within the high school. And so, you know, then on Friday nights, the whole community comes out. There's nothing else to do, right? So we had 10, 15, 20,000 people at these games. And <laughs> and and funny enough, I, I didn't go to a, a big, you know, university. So in, in some ways, it was a little bit of a letdown because I was used to paying in front of these big high school stadiums with these, you know, these packed crowds of everybody that I knew. And so then I go to college and the, and, and the, and the size of the crowd was, was in most games was a little bit smaller, you know? So it was, um, it was a thing. It, it still is a thing. It is, it is a very real culture. I think, I think, um, um, you know, in some ways it, it, it works for the communities down there to really come together. You know, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a touchstone for, for people to, uh, you know, it's, it's hard in, in this day and age, you know, we just don't have as many of those things where the whole community comes together and kind of rallies around something. And I think that that's, um, you know, a really cool thing that, that, that the Texas football community has is that, is that it's just kind of what you do down there on Friday nights. And, um, my, my experience was, was, was wonderful. Wow. And, and like, like you just said there, that sense of belonging, that sense of being a part of something, a community, you know, you it's routine, you know, you're seeing the same people, you feel a belonging, you look forward to that Friday night. I think that is something so important and, um, it's incredible. I, uh, you know, you watch, it's something that you watch and I don't think it's emulated really anywhere else in the world. Like to that extreme, like that Texas football is religion nearly. Um, it's amazing. The thing I want to know though, is what happens when you put these young people on pedestals and for some of them, yeah. like you just said, playing in front of 15, 20,000 people in a high school, and then they won't go on to university and they won't play NFL. Like, how do they actually settle into a normal life after being praised, <laughs> having pet rallies, people decorating their house, giving them yeah. clothes to wear, cakes? Like that's not like that's not a normal life. Like it, that must be so hard to adjust and you know go 
live normally after that? Yeah, you know, um, I think that happens for for anybody who's who self identifies to that degree, right? And 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 what I mean by that is, um, you know, for me, all I ever wanted to do was play football, you know, and 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 it was it was an obsession. It was what I was driven to do. It, it, I, I trained for it. It was you know, I, I, it was what I yeah, it was a passion. And um, you combine that with the attention and the and the you know the elevated status that you mentioned and the pedestal that you mentioned, and and you know it becomes who you are. And, and when you self-identify to that degree and you get so much attention and so much praise, and then all of a sudden, all of that is taken away, you know, I, I think you're kind of looking around and it doesn't matter at what level you're at. It doesn't matter whether it's a, a high school guy who doesn't go into university or university guy who doesn't go into the pros or a pro guy who, you know, eventually has to give it up. I think there's always a challenging transition in that moment. And, and um, I, I think the, you know, I've, I've looked into this, I've studied it a little bit. Um, and, and, and I just so happen to know that, that there's a combination of factors, some of which are socioeconomic, some of which are, are, um, related to identification. Some of them are related to personality. Some are related to upbringing, but, but every athlete, um, that identifies that that level of sport challenge is challenged by that transition. And I was no different. I, I was very, I went through a two year, you know, uh, depression, uh, um, trying to figure out, Hey, I, I don't know what I am if I'm not Alvin Cowan, the football player. Right. And, and I, I think that's true, you know, across sport. I, I, I don't think it's, um, you know, unique to Texas high school football players by any means, though I do think it happens. And, and, um, I think that the culture is such that, that it does elevate kids. It does uh, provide you with a level of status amongst your peers, status amongst the community. Um, and, and even, you know, certain benefits, you know, you get to skip school occasionally or, or, you know, the things that you see in the movies, so to speak. But um, I, I, I don't think, I think it's part, it's no different than, you know, the CEO who, who sells their company and, you know, has to move into a new phase of life or the, you know, the, the person who gets married or, you know, the, these are just life transitions. And, and for me, it was challenge. It was a really challenging one because I didn't know who I was without it. But I, I do think that um, um, Texas football lends itself to that level of self-identification and there's some good things there, right? Like, when you're able to singularly focus on something like that and, and, it, and, it, and you see success in it, you know, that's a good tool for life, right? If I put my mind to this and I work hard, I could do that, right? But um, it's not without its consequences, right? It lives in the gray, not the black and white of it. So um, I, I think I learned a lot from that transitionary phase. And, and I think the next phase of my life that, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about, but it, 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 I didn't realize it then. But that phase really set me up well for the next phase. Yeah, and I've, I've got no doubt. And like what you're saying, we all face these hurdles and adversity as we go on. I, I just feel uh, maturity-wise that, I don't know, that that's such a big thing in their life and to be taken away. Um, sure. that it might be really hard for someone to bounce back. And I'm sure everybody comes over these things. But like when you went, and we'll talk about that now, but um, you, know, you went to university and you played pros and then – you had to overcome that. So you've already had all these life experiences sure. where I just look at, 
and, and like it's amazing like I was saying the community aspect and that and I don't know if there's another way to do it it, it just must be such a fall from grace and um, I'm sure you probably know I don't see you nodding there like I know you probably know some guys you went to high school with that you know really battled with that that didn't have the opportunities or weren't quite as good as you um, yeah so anyway it's, it's probably another story for another day because I want to get keep going with you Alvin um Sure. So obviously after high school, mate, uh, you went to university. Did you go to a D1 uni or was it, was it a little bit? Yeah, I went, I went to an Ivy League school actually, yep. um, which was, which was division one double A at the time, which is, um, you know, the, the big division is division one A and then, and then division one double A is kind of the next level down. Um, the Ivy League in and of itself like to think of the competition level as, as a competitive with the division one A or some of the lower level one A's. Um, we always did well against some of the teams that competed in the one double a tournaments. And, um, uh, so yeah. And, and like I said, it was a bit of a letdown for me. I had hoped to play, um, you know, at, at a one a level, I, I only played one year of, of high school football as the starter. I was a backup my junior year and, and a lot of the, the big schools recruited off of your junior year tape. So they, you know, were watching wow. juniors to offer scholarships. And so I missed that kind of recruiting cycle. I was just in an off year. My, my coach preferred a two-year starter and I wasn't on the right cycle to, to start. And, so I ended up only getting to play that one year as a senior. And, and I, um, you know, I ended up having some low level scholarship or sorry, some, some one uh, a scholarship opportunities that were kind of lower level one a schools and, you know, not the Texas's and the Ohio States or whatever. Um, and, and ultimately for me, um, I, I had, a, I had a friend who, whose brother had gone to, to Yale ahead of me a couple of years ahead of me. And he really sold me on it. And, and um, which is, crazy looking back i mean I, I think there's kids all over the united states and then maybe all over the world that that would be no, yeah, um <laughs> yeah calling me quite quite a jerk for uh you know looking down <laughs> on a yale education and um I, I, but you know like i said i was just so singularly focused on the football element of it and i wanted to play at the highest level of football and and um it was just a strange you know life experience where it didn't work out that way. And I ended up there and I, I, I kind of set my mind to it that, um, you know, after an initial small pity party that I was gonna, I was going to be the best dang Ivy league football player I could be. And, um, and, and so I just, you know, I kind of dedicated to myself throughout, throughout, uh, college at, 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 you know, trying to get decent grades at, at a school that, that that was quite challenging to do and and then playing really good football. And I, I you know, asked my buddies in, in college and they'd tell you that I wasn't very fun, at least until I was a, a junior or senior. You know, I wasn't I, I, I didn't I didn't do a whole lot of social because for me, my dad always told me, you know, there's there's three options when you go to college. There's school, there's sports and there's social life. And you can pick two of them. And, and I don't know whether that was wise advice or not, but I, I chose, uh, you know, the academics and the football and, and kind of left the social stuff to everybody else. So, um, but, you know, I ended up achieving some of those goals uh, on both, both sides of that equation. So uh, for me, that's what worked. I think, it, I think that's very sound advice. And uh, as a young kid, mate, you obviously it'd be very easy to pick the social, um, you know, it's very glamorous. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, 
but obviously not. What was um? So obviously we'll get to the the um the footy and stuff like that because obviously you were successful. You were very good, you know, because you've become a pro. But what's a school like Yale like? Because you know, people. It is an Ivy League. It is such a destination that people all over the world want to go. And here you are getting like a free scholarship to go there. Hey, that's incredible! Yeah. Like that's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I I didn't even know where it was, if I'm being completely <laughs> honest, when 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 they started recruiting me. And and then I found out it's in Connecticut and I was like, dang, I'd never been up there. You know, like I, I'd been to New York City, but anything north of that was a foreign country as far as I was concerned. And, um, you know, I, I, I went up on the recruiting visit and they brought me up there in the middle of winter, you know, and I was a Texas kid. I had hardly ever seen snow. And and I just thought. God, I, I don't know if I could spend four years in this place, you know, as beautiful as the <laughs> campus is and, and as wonderful as the architecture is. And it is, it's, it's, you know, it's one of the, it's Gothic, it's beautiful. Um, I, I just thought, I don't know if this is the place for me, but um, what was interesting about it was the athletes in, in all the Ivy league schools. I, I think this is true. Um, and I don't want to stereotype them all. I know this was my experience at Yale, at least at the time is there's a very, very uh, strong line between athletes and the students and in the Ivy Leagues. And I think the athletes are, are uh, I think they all deserve to be there, but the students don't always think that the athletes deserve to be there. Um, and and um, the athletes look down on the students in other ways. And, and, and that always plays itself out every year or two in the, in the school newspaper, if you're, if you're tracking it. Uh, and it certainly did in my, in my few years there. And, and so what really made the difference for me was I really felt like I fell in with a group of athletes that were, that were similar of similar mind and similar ilk. Um, I, 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 I kind of, on my recruiting trip, started talking to some of the other guys that were recruiting and they kind of sounded a lot like me, you know, guys that had wanted to play at the highest level and had not for whatever reason, guys that had, had been reasonably successful in high school. Um, we definitely had a few degenerates involved in there as well, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so it just kind of started to feel like, Hey, these guys are a little bit more like me than I thought. And maybe I should give this a, a, a you know a, a, a closer look and 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 that that was all the football element and, and really the you know the do I fit in here element it, it, the school element was obviously a no-brainer I mean you know it's it's one of the top schools in the country and and I think that um, my sister would tell you that 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 when I came out of Texas and I was you know a, a football playing kind of jock. Texas kid. And, and by the time I was done with, you know, um, Yale, my, my, my interest had really diversified. I, I had read a lot, you know, I was kind of forced to read a lot. Um, and, and I, I think that the, 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 the style of education allowed you to kind of explore different interests. And so I took, you know, I took an, an astronomy class and learned a bunch of stuff. I took a, uh, an, an, you know, a class where uh, we, we, we had to invent our called new product development, where we had to create and invent and actually manufacture a product and then take it to market. Um, and, and I assume that that's, you know, reasonably um, common amongst university experiences where people kind of, you know, find their footing and, and, and get to explore a lot of, a lot of different interests. That's kind of that time of life. I, I think, that the difference for us was we were very insulated in, in, in the sense that I think we always felt like we were missing out on this big 
state school party fraternity experience. And that wasn't available really at, at, at Yale for certain, and, and maybe in the Ivy leagues in general. Um, and so, you know, you, again, like you, you, you were forced to, to kind of buckle down and be in this community where it was really about, I mean, there was, don't get me wrong. There were some things to do socially, but it wasn't at the level that you might see at the university of Texas, for instance. And, um, there was always a, a kind of outsider sense because we were both athletes and, and I think the student body didn't particularly love that we were there. And then also this kind of all of our friends from high school had gone on to these big state schools where they were having, you know, a really good time and that wasn't <laughs> available to us, you know? So I, I always kind of, we were always kind of feeling like, Hey, we're doing this, we're doing this in an investment to our future. But um, I don't know that we, we, and, and looking back on it, it was an awesome experience, but I don't know that at the time we had enough uh, of a vision for ourselves to, to really feel like we were, you know, <laughs> actually getting the better end of the deal potentially. Well, it sounds like you definitely did. And looking back now, you know, you can party as much as you want, but to have an education like that and experience and be around like-minded people, Alvin, that's uh, it's obviously set you up really well. And so let's talk about, obviously, the, the football. Um, you must have, like you said, you wanted to be the best in your Ivy League. You must have done something right because, you know, you became a professional. Talk us through that. Yeah, well, I think it's – I think it's a. Uh, 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 a loose definition of professional. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I ended up again. It wasn't without its challenges. I, I, um, I started my junior year. Uh, I, I won the starting position uh, as a junior, and and that was you know a, 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 a two or three years of work to to get to that position. And um, I, I had one of the you know, humble, humble brag, but, but I had one of the best games maybe of my career and maybe in Yale history uh, in my first game of the season we were playing an opponent who was um, not, not, not too tough, uh, who, whose name you can look up on the internet, but I won't mention. Uh, and, <laughs> <That's> and, <awesome. laughs> and I, uh, I ended up scoring six touchdowns, three rushing and three passing. And, and that was a, a record at the time in my first game. And all to say that the next game, five plays in, I got tackled and I broke my leg. And wow. I, so I experienced this high, 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 you know, first game of the season and I, I, I crushed it. And then the second game of the season, I get crushed. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I was out the season, you know, and, and my backup came in and he played really well. And so all that work kind of, you know, didn't amount to much. It amounted to one game of a really great game, but now I was back in the same position, same position battle that spring where I had to win the job against a guy who had played eight games that fall. Um, and so ultimately I ended up winning that job and, and I had an excellent season that year. And then because I had broken my leg, I got another year of eligibility and I played, you know, a whole nother season. Um, and so I ended up playing 22 games and I, I had some reasonable statistics. And, um, you know, I, as I said, I, my, my vision and my goal for my life was always to play in the NFL. So that was just the next logical step to me. And so I trained and I, I had an agent and, you know, I thought I'd, I'd, uh, you know, hook on with the camp. Um, and, and it didn't, I didn't end up getting drafted. In fact, my, my rival at Harvard got drafted and played 16 years in the NFL. Wow. <laughs> uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah. He, he actually just retired. Um, and, and, 
Um, so I, I, I tried out, I really didn't get drafted. I, I, I didn't get signed as a free agent. And then uh, I went back home and, and I started training with a, a local kind of arena football team, which at the time arena ball had a lot of money in it um, because of the TV contract. And, and then I got a call and I got to, I got to go up to Buffalo uh, and try out for the bills. There was a, a Yale, a former Yale guy who was actually the head coach, Dick Duran at the time. And so they gave me a tryout and I ended up, you know, having a brief cup of coffee with them before I kind of washed out. Um, and, and then I went back to Austin and I, I kind of hung on for um, uh, a little while with that, that, that football team practice as a practice squad guy. Um, and then they, the, the differences between arena football and, 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 you know, non-arena football, NFL, you know, CFL football are, are pretty stark, but especially for a quarterback, it's, it's a different game. Some of the throws that you make, the angles that you make, they're very different. And so they asked me to basically go play developmental arena football, um, which was about 500 bucks for a win and your rent for six months. And um, <laughs> at that time I was, I, I wanted to do it right. Like that was, that was, Hey, I, you know, if this is where I got to start, this is where I got to start. That was kind of my attitude. And my dad sat me down again. I was living at home. I'm 22. I got a Yale education and they're offering me, you know, 500 bucks in my rent for six months. And he just said, look, Alvin, like, you know, we all, we all hang it up at some point. And, you know, you've got, you've got your knees, you've got your shoulders, you got out of it all without having to have surgery. I think it's time you put that degree to use and, and um, you know, you give it up. And, and that, that was the start of, of a whole other journey for me. And it was a really, really, really tough decision because I wanted to keep going. Um, knowing, knowing now, you know, what, knowing then what I know now, I, I'm really glad that I made that decision just because I, I think I would have gotten beat up for a number of years before I would have ever given it up myself. Um, and, and fortunate, you know, to, to, like I said, have my knees and have my shoulders. And, you know, I didn't take too many concussions. Um, so um, I'm glad that I made that decision, but it was not an easy one at the time. I'm sure it wasn't. And when you are so laser focused on achieving something and then to not have that taken away, I think probably some people that are physically enhanced because of injury, you know, they don't have another choice, but for you, that wasn't the fact, you know, you still had everything intact. Um, great advice from your old man. Again, I think uh, he's, uh, he's been, <laughs> he's full of good wisdom. You need to listen to that. Um, <laughs> so after that um, you, you faced a few uh, mental health battles. Um, yeah. Was that basically like, we we're just talking about with, you know, Friday night lights and that loss of identity. Yeah. Um, what, what was that like? And, and how'd you overcome that? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It, um, it, it, uh, like I said, I mean, I, I always thought I was going to be a pro football player. And so then all of a sudden, not only was I done playing, but like, it, you know, I, that dream was dead too. you right. So it was kind of the double whammy of, of I'm no longer pursuing something. And the thing that I thought I was going to be is all is, is gone too. And, um, <laughs> my answer to it was to run away more or less. I mean, I, I, it, it, it it's, uh, it's, I, I say that a little tongue in cheek in the sense that I did have a job that took me to Eastern Europe, but um, I, I think it was a way of really isolating. I, uh, I, I, I talked to a, 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 my dad's friend at or dad's friend's son at, at a Christmas party one year. And he kind of pitched me on this glamorous lifestyle of 
um, you know, hanging out on yachts in the in Saudi Arabia and all this, you know, he's traveling to Vietnam and he was going over here and he was hanging out with these people. And I had never traveled really because I was always trying to play football and, you know, yachts in, in the Mediterranean Sea sounded pretty cool to me. And so I, I was like, where do I sign? Right. Um, and, and so I trained in that job and ended up being sent to Romania for about six months. And, and I, um, uh, like I said, it was, it was a really good way to isolate um, because I didn't know anybody. I didn't speak the language, even my coworkers, one of them was Russian and one of them was Czech. And so, you know, there was a bit of a language barrier there and there was a bit of a cultural barrier there. Um, and so it was just a way for me to kind of be alone. Um, and, and, um, I didn't realize at the time that, that I was depressed and, and I didn't realize, um, you know, why certainly. Um, and I just, I, I don't recommend it, <laughs> uh, but that's what I did. And I spent about eight months there, um, kind of more or less doing a job Monday to Friday and hanging out in a hotel room. And occasionally, you know, I'd rent a car and drive around the country. I went to the Dracula castle and saw a few of the, uh, you know, the villages on the outskirts of Romania, which was cool. I, I, I have some good memories from, from some of those road trips, but um, more or less I was alone for eight months. And, um, and, and then they sent me to Albania uh uh, thereafter, which was a whole other experience that, that we can get into if you want. But um, that, that, that um, I spent about four months in Albania before I kindly popped out of it. And, and there was a number of factors that went into how and why I popped out of it, but I, I did. And, and I, I think I realized at that time that, hey, it was time to get back on the horse, you know, and it, I had kind of you know, isolated for a year and a half and, and, and been in my cave and been depressed and, you know, kind of going through the motions of, of life and a job and, and ultimately decided, Hey, this isn't, this isn't living, you know, um, you're, yeah. you, you, you can do more than this and you need to, you need to get back on it. And, um, so I came home and, and, um, yeah, it kind of, kind of goes happened. from there, but it, yeah. yeah, yeah, that, that was, that was the, that was the tough transition period really was, was that year plus where I, I just kind of was alone and, and hanging out in foreign countries where I knew nobody. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's like you said, you escaped, you probably gave yourself a little bit of time to think I've done a lot of traveling through Eastern Europe and each country is different and unique and challenging in their own way compared to sort of more Western Europe. So in Albania, like what made you have to be there for four months? Like, um, when you are depressed and you're not in the greatest headspace, Alvin, like it's, it's not easy to make that decision that you need to get on for your life. But how did that happen? Was it something happened yeah. in Albania? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. There, um, there's a few stories there. I think, I think, um, you know, one thing is obviously when you, you know, when you travel, you get perspective. Right. And, and I think yeah. that, um, I was starting to appreciate the things that, that, that I had, that I had been given, that the, the opportunities that I had, the education that I had, um, you know, some of the job opportunities that might be available to me if I came home. Um, you know, I think when you look around and you, and you see, uh, you know, the, the circumstances that some, the challenging circumstances that some people live in, you know, it, it starts to develop some gratitude for what, what, what you have. And, um, I think that kind of dawned on me, but the, the real trigger and inflection point was, was a little less, um, uh, positive in the sense that I lived with a, an Italian, um, and a, a Dutch girl and they were a couple and we all lived in one flat together and they had one bedroom and I had another. Um, and, 
and we were the business model was such that we kind of worked our, our way down. So we met with high level government officials and kind of networked down uh, to local um, CEOs of companies. And we basically sold advertising time to those, those CEOs or those companies. So if you've ever been to a foreign country and you see one of those infomercials on, on the hotel television that says, come to Romania and invest, right? Like well, we made those. And the way we made money on those was, we, like I said, that we sold the ad between the content. Um, so all to say that, that um, as you may know from traveling in Eastern Europe and certain European countries, you know, the difference between a government official, a private businessman and organized crime is a bit of a gray area, right? And uh, so I was, I was there in 2005 and, and you have to remember in Albania was the last communist country to fall. And I think it was like 96, somebody could check my history on that, but it was, it was not long, right? Like it was, this is a young quote democracy. And so they were still figuring out how to manage you know, privatization of government resources and such. And so we're there trying to sell this program and trying to sell these guys. And like I said, it wasn't, you know, it was a bit of a, we weren't doing anything shady, but they were kind of shady dealings with these people. And so we're trying to sell them these advertising and, and, um, and, and it was made abundantly clear to, to us that, Hey, the price is a little high. And, you know, if, if you don't lower the price, there could be some consequences, let's say. <laughs> and, and so we go back to the flat that we share and I'm freaking out, you know, like this is not how I do business and not what I want to be involved in. Right. And, and I just turned to my Italian colleague and I'm like, ah, what are we doing here? Like, we got to get out of here, you know? And he was like, ah, this is just how business is done. You know, like, this is no big deal. And, and I said, not where I'm from, man. Like this is, I, I, yeah. So I guess that's how it works over there. I didn't stay around much longer to find out. I called my dad and was like, Hey, get me on a flight and get me the heck out of here. <laughs> and I, I literally was on a flight. I think at like 4 AM, like under the cover of darkness, sneaking out of Albania. Cause they had freaked me out. Right. Like I, I, I didn't, I wanted no business with, with what I perceive to be mafiosos. Right. So uh... I would, uh, I, I jetted out of there and never looked back and, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it worked out, but, uh, I, I, it was, uh, it was a different type of business than I was used to doing. I, I love that. And probably, probably the kick in the ass you needed Alvin to get back on yeah. the horse and, and get living life. Now, mate, fast forward from there, you're acting, you've acted with Clint Eastwood, Bradley Cooper, Bruce Willis, the list goes on. How the hell did you go from being a Texas footballer that, was selling ads in Eastern Europe to being a, an act like, mate, how, is that, that's not normal. Like you've yeah, come out of no. being quite depressed. And how did that happen? Like, it, did you have, did you do acting also, at Yale? Like what, what happened? Yeah, Dale, it, it, not only is it not normal, Dale, it's not advised. Uh, <laughs> I, I would never advise anybody else to, 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 to follow that path. I'll tell you that much, but as I mentioned, I mean, again, like you look back and you can put the dots together, but, but you don't see them going forward. That's that, you know, that Steve Jobs quote or whatever that is. And, and for me, you know, it was interesting because I always had a, a, a bit of a latent, you know, creative curiosity. I, I used to draw as a lot as a kid and, you know, I like to build Legos and all that stuff. So, uh, but I never explored it because I was always, you know, focused on the sports thing and, and football specifically. And, um, you know, when I got over to Eastern Europe, um, 
more or less we were doing production, right? Like we were producing commercials and, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I had developed a little bit of a skill set in production. Right. And, um, and so my options when I got back on that flight under the cover of darkness to <laughs> escape mafiosos was, um, <laughs> was to either go back to Austin. Um, and my dad, you know, was going to connect me with a few of his buddies who would hire me in either, you know, law or insurance or something like that. Um, or I, I had been dating a girl who was finishing up her master's at, at USC in, in Los Angeles. And, um, so I went out and visited her and, and, and hung out in LA for, for three or four days and, um, got, got just kind of a vibe, liked, liked the city, um, thought I liked her, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, went, went home and, and packed up my stuff and was, was out in LA, you know, um, a week later. And for me, it was kind of like, I was 24 or so at the time and, and, you know, working in, working in insurance back in my hometown kind of felt like failure to me. Um, it felt like, you know, I go off to college and I had this, you know, these big dreams and then I just circle right back and I'm kind of back where I started. Um, so I think it was just a time when I was, I was willing to kind of, you know, take a, take a risk. And, and she and I broke up, <laughs> couldn't have been longer than two weeks to me landing in LA and we were done. And, and so I was, but, but in a weird way, Dale, I was comfortable because I was in a city that I didn't know anybody and, and here we are. Right. And so it was not a whole lot like different than my Romania, Albania experience. And, um, you know, fortunately I wasn't <laughs> involved in the same business. And so I kind of looked around and I said, Hey, I'm in LA once I'm 24 years old. I, what do you do? Right. Like you, you, you become an actor, you become a writer. I mean, hell that's, that's everybody in LA. Right. So I, I started taking acting classes, uh, no experience whatsoever. And when I tell you I was bad, Dale, I was bad. I was a very, very bad actor. Um, and and I, was, I was not much better at, at, at keeping food on my table. So I, I, the, the long and short of it is I, 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 I used my football skills to kind of get a job at a local private school. And that really stabilized me because I was able to be an assistant football coach there and, and, and I made some friends there. I made, you know, the, the, the boss, the athletic director liked me and he kind of kept me, uh, let's not say rich, but he certainly kept me solvent. Uh, I was, I was barely making it. I look back at a 2012 tax return and I think I made $25,000 that year. So um, I like to joke that, that, that a big night out was a, was a $5 foot long at Subway, uh, during those years. Uh, but I had, I, I had a roof over my head and I had food on my table and I was pursuing something new and I was energized about it. Uh, even if I was not very good at it, um, I, I, I enjoyed it. And the big break really came when, uh, one of the dads at, um, the school that I was coaching at, um, he, he was, in charge of a pilot and um he needed a, a, a somebody to play a coach in his pilot it was a pilot around little league baseball and he needed a coach and uh he needed a coach who could act and i'm coaching his son so <laughs> he kind of he put two and two together that hey maybe you know it, you're taking acting lessons like maybe you can you know say a few lines in my in my pilot and that turned into eight episodes um on a on a network television show uh, and that's really where I, I think I got, you know, kind of the break in the sense that um, I got some real real world experience in the acting world. And I, I, 
I, I didn't say in eight episodes, Dale, I may have said six lines, you know, <laughs> I was not a big part of the television show by any means. Um, but it gave me the opportunity to, to, to meet some people in the business, to, to understand how a set works, to understand what an actor's role is on a set. It got me an agent um, and, and, you know, some of those jobs that I, I was able to book thereafter that you mentioned with some of those, those famous names, um, you know, were really a result of that, of that early job and that early opportunity to get somebody who, who could represent me and, um, you know, get an opportunity to kind of, kind of um, fumble my way <laughs> through the early acting days, which is really what it was. Cause, cause like I said, I was not very good. I love that story, Alvin. If people are listening, the one thing I've taken away from everything is how important connections are. Like, and essentially, like, and, and people are probably listening to this and thinking, if you think about your jobs you've got or something, I can guarantee most of them have been because you know somebody or a friend of a friend or your dad's mate or somebody you went to school with. Like, so you've done, obviously, you got a job through a, uh, when you were in um, Eastern Europe through a mate, you come back, you went because of a girl. That didn't work out, no dramas. Then you pursued something. You weren't good at it, but you kept going because you, you're excited. You felt the vibe. You then fell back on football, which used to be a life that used to get a leg up and, and make connections. And then you never know who's watching. And that that's such a yeah. – I love – I absolutely love that, that you're in the right place at the right time. And people say, oh, that's luck. It's, it's not luck, Elvin, because – You've done everything right to be in that position and have a father trust you because he'd build a relationship. Yeah, no, it, and and I think the the caveat to that, that that's always interested me is is you know, Dale, I I I went to every opportunity, every networking opportunity there was when I first got to LA because, like I said, I didn't know anybody. I mean, I knew one one of my college friends was there, and that was it. I I knew nobody else in the whole ten million people that live in LA. I know not a soul, and you know, so I was just trying to meet people who might be in the entertainment industry, and I did all the wrong things. And sure enough, like, where does my opportunity come from? It comes from football, right? It comes from school being at a school and coaching kids and giving back and all those kinds of things and 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 so it, it just it, it's always interested me in the sense that like you know it, it doesn't it didn't come where i thought it would come from it didn't come from you know being in the coffee shops quote unquote writing the script or you know whatever <laughs> it was that you know people like to like to um fantasize about and you know the the stories that you hear about you know Brad Pitt walking down the street and they come up to him and say, you need to be the next movie star. Like, you know, that's not how it happened. It, 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 it happened, like you said, because of a, a, an authentic relationship uh, that I had built that, 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 um, and, and from a place that I was doing something that, that, um, you know, allowed, I think him to trust me more than anything. You know, he, he knew me well enough to know that if he put me on the set, I wasn't going to, you know, be a diva. I wasn't going to, I didn't have any right to be a diva, but uh, <laughs> you know, he, he wasn't going to, he could trust me. He could trust me to show up on time, prepared to say my three word sentence and, and go home, you know? And, and so that's what I did. That's what I did. I, I love that. And so many, it, like you just said, it comes back to, he trusted you, you build a relationship. You weren't, actively thinking how can i get something out of this relationship you were yeah, giving back yeah. and um coming of a place you know you were helping your son you were being a role model you're being a good bloke like um i just think it's amazing 
even if things are going really tough for you and like they were in different parts of your life, if you allow yourself to be in the right situation or position, you, you don't know who's around. Um, and sure. essentially probably in the acting game, like you would see that more than anyone because it, that's, it's probably harder to make it in the acting game than it is in NFL. Like I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's funny because I, I think they're really good comps. Um, you know, I, I think, I think they, they both are similar, you know, I think there's a, a certain large amount of people who want to be actors and a large amount of people who would love to be in the NFL. And, and um, it was hard for me at first, I think Dale, because it, it, you know, I had 15 some odd years of playing football before I was at a level of competency that, that would have allowed me even the, a sniff at, at, at playing professionally. Right. I had been training for 15 years and the difference was that, that, that early 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years, you know, you're a kid. And so it's okay for you to go train and try to want to be a football player and have a big dream. Like people support that. Right. But when you're 24 and you decide you want to be an actor and, and then you're trying to put in your 10 to 15 years of training to get to a point where you can be competent at the same level that you would be to be considered a professional, that's a different level of support, right? Like it's not, oh, it's really cute, Alvin, that you're 27 <laughs> and you're making $25,000 a year and eating, you know, living with three guys to, 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 to eke out an existence, right? Like that's not cute anymore to people. That's, that's all kind of sad. And, and a lot of people will, you know, uh, challenge you on that life philosophy. They will pity you for that life philosophy. They will shame you for that life philosophy. And that's a challenging period of life. And, and I, I was not a competent actor for at least five to six years. I really, um, you know, it took me that long to, to kind of remove the armor and the emotional, you know, uh, skill set that I had developed all the way back to those bullies that we talked about at the very beginning, you know, I had developed, I had developed this, this thing that left me invulnerable. Right. And then I had to kind of take off that armor to, to allow the emotions to come through as an actor. And that took me, you know, really 10 years, if not longer, still probably working on that. But, um, it certainly took me five or six years before I could even, you know, <laughs> mutter a line that made had some level of emotional connection to be competent enough to even be considered for a job. So I, I think I, I think you know that's the that's the difference there to me is there's you know it, we get I think culturally we get a lot of support you know as kids to kind of pursue and do whatever we want. It's time to explore. It's time to be curious. But man, if you do that as an adult, you better be ready. <laughs> well, it's, and that's what and it's, it was for me. It was yeah, um, it's, um, it was a long, listening, long ten years to to figure yeah. it out. Listening to that album, like it, it's really funny you just say that because we encourage kids to try new things and and back themselves in. But then you know, people who want a career change or do things later in life, oh, why are you doing that? You've got You've got, a, you've got a degree, you've got success. Like why, instead of saying, good on you, yeah, we back you, we believe in you. And so when you, like, listening to you, mate, you've overcome so much. You've got an Ivy League education. You've battled mental health issues on the other side of the world. You nearly became part of the mafia in Albania. That's another story. <laughs> but then you've just completely gone to LA, got your heart broken after two weeks, mate. I can't imagine that. But completely just broke down your emotional state and become an actor from left wing 
do you sit back and be proud of what you've achieved or like, do you take it? Are you, do you allow that to happen? Alvin? You know, that's a good question, Dale. I probably don't do that well enough. Well, you um, should, mate. I'm kind, you should. I, I'm, I should. I should. You're right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in a, I think I have an achiever mentality, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of always focused on, on what, what, what's next, what's next, you know, what's next. And, and, you know, I do think that, that um, getting married and, and having a baby, you know, makes you slow down a little bit. And, and, you know, I, I, when I get to see my wife or I get to see my, my two-year-old daughter, you know, I, I, it's just, you know, those things make you take it in and say, Hey, I, I, I you know, it's all worked out, you know, it's all going to be okay kind of thing. And, um, you know, I, 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 I love the acting. I still do the acting. It's still my number one passion. Um, and I've certainly had some success in, in that realm, you know, beyond what a lot of people ever achieve. I think, I think more than anything, that's as a result of just <laughs> continuing. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, just, they come out to LA and they give it two or three years and they, you know, they move back home and, and no, you know, no shame in that whatsoever. But um, I, I just couldn't do that. I had committed to it in my own mind. And um, I think that, uh, you know, some of the jobs that I, I got as a result that, that you know, you mentioned um, were, were just being too stubborn or uh, to give it up. And, and um, you know, that led to other interests in writing and producing. And, you know, I, I do a lot of um, podcast development for, for, for movie and TV now. And, um, and, and so I've been able to kind of eke out this existence in the entertainment business that, that has been, um, you know, I, I, I think anybody would say that the, the, the ability to be an artist and, and to, to make a living that you can feed your family and, and, you know, own a home and all those kinds of things, you know, that's success. And, and, and so I, I think when I really stop and, you know, I'm with my daughter or I'm with my wife and, I, I, you know, it, it has been, it was a tough ride to begin with, but I, it, it certainly has been rewarding and, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, of what I've been able to build in the different realms and, um, you know, still, still, still want to be on television too. So <laughs> I don't think that'll ever go away. I, I love that. And, and I think at the end of the day, um, I've got a one and a half year old and I think what you do as well is, you just want to make them proud, you know, and, and you want to be a good dad and you, and you want to be known for doing the right things. And, and your story, um, I'm sure people are listening to this album going, wow, that's, there's so many highs and so many lows. And, and I love what you just said that just sticking at it, don't give up. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people, one thing I find, Alvin, is people want to see you battle for long enough before they will give you a go because they're like, oh, Geez, he's resilient. He's not going to give up. Maybe he is here for the long haul. Um, and I absolutely love that. So people want to reach out to you, Alvin. People want to connect you. They want to hear more about your story. Where can we do that, mate? Yeah, I pretty much drive everything to my Twitter account. It's just my name, at Alvin Cowan, A-L-V-I-N-C-O-W-A-N. Um, and yeah, you can find me there. I, I'm always ranting or raving about something. And um <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I post all my updates for for anything that I'm doing creatively. All right, brilliant. Well, I'll have, uh, I'll have a link in the show notes, episode number 261. Um, reach out to Alvin there. Thank him for his chat today. Um, and Alvin, mate, I know we've uh, postponed this once. Uh, it was definitely mm -hmm. worth uh, the chat. I, I'm uh, fascinated by your story, mate, and everything you've overcome and probably going down the most left-wing field from a – Friday night footballer in Texas. Uh, so, yeah. mate, you should be proud of it. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for being on the show. 
I, I appreciate you having me, Dale. Thanks for the chat, man.